1: Hello and welcome to the Stronger Minds podcast where I, Kimberly Wilson, chartered psychologist, bring you insights into the mind along with the latest information and research on how to build healthy brains. This episode is in response to some recent news headlines describing some of the nutrients important for brain health that people could potentially be missing out on on a diet low in animal foods. I had quite a few questions come in about this, and so I thought it'd be good to do a quick Q&A episode to try to address some of your concerns. I was very grateful to be joined for this episode by Sophie Medlin, Sophie is a consultant dietitian with expertise in colorectal health and former lecturer in nutrition and dietetics at King's College London. She is a passionate advocate for evidence-based nutrition and works with the media to promote safe and accurate nutritional information. So she was the perfect person for the job. You can find Sophie online at citydietitians.co.uk, and she is at Sophie Dietitian on Instagram and Facebook. So once again, thank you for sending in your questions. We hope you find this episode useful.
0: Sophie, would you be kind enough to introduce yourself to the audience? Absolutely. So my name's Sophie Medlin. Um, I've been a dietitian for about 15 years now. Um, so dietitian is different to nutritionists, different to nutritional therapists. So most dietitians work in the NHS. So we do a three or four year degree working in the NHS, which is what I did for about seven years. And then I moved into academia. So I lectured and researched in nutrition and dietetics for about five years, um, most recently at King's College London. And now I work for myself, which is lovely. So I do lots of consultancy for companies. I do clinics and those sorts of things. Um, but yes, I live a very charmed life of consultancy work, which makes me very happy. Perfect. And thankfully, it gives you time to come and join
1: me today so that we can do this podcast, absolutely. which was, I think, from both of our kind of sets of audiences, really well requested.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think
1: there's lots of interest in this sort of thing at the moment. And I guess I feel like... It's worth getting out there and, and a bit preemptively that neither of us has any investment in the way that anybody eats, other than that people are
0: healthy yeah absolutely and I think it's such a tricky world to navigate the world of vegan diets and I've certainly fallen foul of the vegan community on more than one occasion in the past and I'm really keen to put across that I have no affiliation to any particular way of eating and I just want people to be happy and healthy and sometimes being happy means being a vegan and sometimes being healthy means not being a vegan and either way it should be fine and acceptable okay so we've
1: put this podcast together this Q&A together because essentially, we both invested in people being as well as possible. I very much um, am very passionate about people taking care of their brains as well as possible. And it's really... It's kind of a pro-vegan podcast in as far as it's making sure that vegans are taking care of their brains properly or people who are not eating very much meat or um, fish or any other kind of animal food, making sure that they aren't missing out on nutrients that might be beneficial for their brain
0: health. Yeah, absolutely.
1: And maybe that's a good place to start because I think not many people know that there are, A, that there are nutrients in animal foods that aren't just protein, um, but that those nutrients might be essential and or essential for brain health. So maybe if you could explain what essential nutrients are and and we'll talk about which ones are found most abundantly in in animal foods.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So we all need a full array of vitamins and minerals every day from our diet to make sure that we're as healthy as possible. Um, And they come from lots of different places, but um, they're very rich in lots of uh, animal products and some vitamins and minerals are really um, only found in plant products. So it's kind of a varied diet that we need that, that gives us everything that we need. In terms of essential nutrients, there are things like essential fatty acids and essential amino acids, which our body can't make ourselves. We can't synthesise them ourselves. And that means that we really need to make sure that we get them every day from our diet and ensure that our diet is well-balanced to make sure that we're meeting our body's needs. Perfect. And the nutrients that we're going to be talking about today
1: really are... Well, there are two big ones, plus an add-on, I think, (laughs) Um, as far as I'm concerned. And they are going to be uh, omega-3 fatty acids B vitamins as a whole group, B12 in particular, but B as a whole group, and choline. And anybody who follows has followed me for more than about 10 minutes <laughs> will have heard me talk about omega-3 fatty acids. And I guess I, I want people to understand that these fats are essential because they form the literal structure of the brain cells. So fatty acids, omega-3s come in three types, ALA, DHA, and EPA. ALA is the one found mostly in plant foods. That's right, yeah. Uh, And DHA and EPA are marine-based. But DHA is the one that makes up about a third of your brain cell structure, of the brain cell membrane. So if you think about, I sometimes say to my clients, if you think about your house, it's almost like a third of the bricks being made up of of this DHA and (laughs) and if you're not getting enough because it's essential you need to get it from your diet if you're not getting enough then essentially what's happening is that you're taking a brick out of the walls of your house and sometimes your brain can compensate by that it can put cholesterol in instead or kind of other fats in instead but those fats aren't as flexible then they don't make the membrane as flexible so that you don't get the same level of communication or the same kind of integrity of structure.
0: Nice. And does that therefore, so my understanding is that mm. therefore it, it makes changes to your neuroplasticity, your ability to learn and make new connections and that sort of thing. Is that right? Absolutely. So we know that DHA is
1: essential for kind of three main things. So one is the structural integrity of the brain cell. So literally, as I say, the shape and the structure of the membrane of the cell and the main membrane, of course, Make sure that everything inside the cell stays inside the cell, everything that shouldn't be in the cell should be outside the cell, and the things that are allowed to cross in and out do so in a in a measured and structured way. It's important for cell signalling, so literally the communication between brain cells. So we, we think about DHA, DHA helping cells to fire and communicate with each other, but also for neuroplasticity. And neuroplasticity, which we can also think of as neurogenesis, is the idea or the concept really of the brain continuing to make new connections, to reshape, to build new synapses, and to grow new brain cells. And we know that the more people who eat more omega-3 fatty acids, particularly DHA and EPA, have higher rates of uh, neuroplasticity and neurogenesis, Mm -hmm. um, but also that higher rates of neurogenesis are associated with a reduced risk of things like depression and anxiety. So this is where it all kind of loops into how diet affects mood, how diet affects brain health, and why it's so important, why I'm always talking about people eating enough oily fish or the appropriate supplements to make sure that they're getting these absolutely essential
0: fatty acids. I think we've made the point that they're essential. <laughs> In the hearts we say essential, maybe there's another word we're missing. Yeah, and I think it's really important, and we'll probably come on to this a little bit more, but it's really important to note that whilst there is a plant-based source, our bodies just can't generate enough. So you can generate some of the DHA from ALA, but you can't convert enough to make it a meaningful amount or enough to make it... um, Um, your brain function optimally I guess is the best language to use Mm -hmm. and we don't have that um, we don't have that measured properly scientifically and things like that we know how much you can turn over but we don't necessarily know for sure that that is definitely impacting the vegan community more so than any other communities we do know that it's impacting from a cardiovascular perspective Mm -hmm. so we can make some assumptions but you know the brain health research in this particular region is pretty sparse so it's important that we understand that some of the research that we're going to talk about today is based on the best information we have at the moment. Mm -hmm. We know you can't turn over enough of the ALA and turn that into DHA, and we know how absolutely essential DHA is. Mm -hmm. So therefore, put two and two together, and we're coming to a point where actually we need to be thinking about supplementation. Mm
1: -hmm. And the other nutrients that we will probably get into are B vitamins. And B vitamins are actually really
0: interesting group of vitamins aren't they um, i don't know if you want honest like really broad so they have lots and lots of different jobs and lots of different things that they do in your body and they come from some mainly the same source of sources but from quite a broad range of different foods uh, and in that sense they're probably not fairly grouped together as b vitamins but actually mm-hmm. that's kind of what's happened and you have to remember that The whole concept of vitamins is really quite new maybe 1970s and a little bit earlier than that we really discovered vitamins so the b vitamins are kind of grouped together but many of them are completely essential to lots of different functions in your body and i guess we'll talk probably more specifically about b12 which has the most research around it for this particular group Yeah, B vitamins, absolutely essential to lots of function in our body and very important for brain health. Mm. And and so important,
1: in fact, that a a serious deficit or deficiency in B12 can mimic dementia in some patients. And certainly when we're thinking about working with older people who might be coming in for an assessment for dementia, one of the things that needs to be eliminated first as a possibility is simply... B deficiencies.
0: Yeah and I work primarily in the area of gut health um, specifically with patients following colorectal surgery as my area of interest and expertise from a research perspective and also clinical practice and you know different if you chop out different bits of your gut there are nutritional consequences to mm-hmm. that and one of the bits that we chop out quite commonly is called your terminal ileum, which is where B12 is absorbed so the final point okay. where B12 is absorbed so having seen Profound B12 deficiency in plenty of my patients. I'm very good now picking up mm. on the symptoms and the things that it might be in the way that it mimics. And it's this real exhaustion, this real struggle to stay awake during the day and then really struggling to sleep at night as well. And there's this real cycle. And also, lots of patients with B12 deficiency get more gut symptoms. So, things like further IBS, things like constipation, all those kinds of things. And that's because, of course, it's so essential to your nervous system mm. and your gut is just. Um, so heavily full of nerves it's so important that it is in a different sort of way to different parts of your body. But yeah, we, um, we see that, I see that commonly in my practice B12 deficiency and not necessarily because of vegan diets, because of bowel problems and things like that, but yeah, it's a common one that I see a lot of.
1: Maybe that's a good jumping off point for the question. So thank you everybody for, who sent in questions to us both. We found that there was a huge amount of overlap. So Absolutely. we're kind of going to dive in with questions that answered a lot of the ones that that you'd sent in and one of those let me just find it so one person's talking about very low energy even after having nine or ten hours of sleep every night and another person talking about So her question was i'm vegan and i'm often tired or exhausted are there any nutrients that i should focus on to
0: help I would say that when patients and and people present with lethargy and tiredness, maybe difficulty sleeping or lack of concentration, B vitamins would be the first thing that I would think of, particularly B12, if they're following a plant-based diet. And the reason for that is that there's really just no B12 available naturally occurring on a plant-based diet. So that's why it's so important that we make sure that we get enough. From either fortified foods, so lots of plant-based foods will be fortified with vitamin B12 now because we understand the risk, um, that can sometimes mean that patients and people are eating more processed food, in inverted commas, than they might like to. So mm-hmm. people might start considering to breakfast cereal to be a processed food, mm-hmm. but it's fortified with B vitamins and therefore it's such a useful food for vegetarians and vegans. The thing with your body is that you can't absorb lots of B12 at the same time, so you need a drip feed. So it's not good enough to say, I've had my B12 supplement, I don't need to think about it. You need to be having it at different points during the day. So having some fortified foods at regular intervals through the day. There's something called nutritional yeast, which vegans are very um, big fans of. You can sprinkle that on lots of different food that's a great source of b12 and actually sprinkling sprinkling that on lots of different foods Mm -hmm. will really help but there are b12 mouth sprays now there are good quality supplements that you can take so it is about having all of those safety nets in place for that b12 Mm -hmm. and anyone presenting with lethargy difficulty concentrating all of those things that these people are talking about i would suggest look first at the b12 look first at b12 and then would you think about anything else well, I'd definitely be thinking about omega-3s and things like that as well. Mm-hmm. So essential fatty acids and iron would be the second thing that I would be really focusing on. Mm-hmm. So thinking about any other symptoms of iron deficiency, like breathlessness and those sorts of mm-hmm. things. Lots of There are lots of other symptoms that come alongside these sure. kinds of deficiencies. So things like hair loss, uh, things like sores in the mouth mm-hmm. or around the corners of the mouth are signs of B vitamin deficiencies. So brittle nails, that sort of thing. So the things you can look at in yourself and things that maybe you can observe in other people and make some not necessarily make dietary recommendations or suggestions for supplements but just noticing some of these less maybe less known signs of deficiency that people could start to pick up on Perfect, okay. thank you and i think as well as kind of protecting the
1: health of the nerve that b vitamins are really important for energy metabolism kind of extracting the nutrients yeah, exactly. and that's we'll explain why people are exhausted perhaps they're not perhaps you're eating enough but you're yeah. not able to extract
0: as much the nutrition or the exactly. energy out of the food that you're consuming exactly that yeah so b vitamin is completely essential for um energy metabolism in your cells and so if you can't do that then there's just not an, an enough energy available to give you the the way that you want to feel to make you feel how you need to okay
1: and so it wouldn't be sufficient to as you're saying to take a supplement first thing in the morning and be done actually with b12 it needs to be a regular kind of smaller dose throughout the day to make sure you're getting a sufficient coverage for for your brain and body needs
0: yeah so b12 supplement great safety net but that doesn't mean that you've ticked to your box forever you need to be checking through the day as well perfect
1: thank you very much a really interesting question here. Are corn products a good filler or replacement for meat? And I'm I'm not sure if this person means simply in terms of protein, but I guess we we're gonna think about it in terms of the nutrient content as well. So do you have any thoughts or knowledge on that?
0: <laughs> so corn is made from fungus or mushrooms essentially mm-hmm. and so some of the corn products might be fortified with other new micronutrients that you might be missing on a plant-based diet and that's great but from a protein perspective uh, mushrooms and fungi are almost entirely fermented in the colon and not really broken down in the small bowel at all. So we don't actually know how much protein and amino acid you can harvest from corn. There's some research at the moment asking the question, maybe you can't harvest any at all, because Gosh. maybe there's not that mechanism to, to absorb protein across your colon. So um, the answer is, they taste nice, they're useful, <laughs> they're low-fat, um, there's lots of other things that they might be good for, but in terms of a good quality protein source, um, at the moment we're not sure that they are a good quality protein source. Okay so i guess the answer to that question is we're not sure and possibly no (laughs) possibly no so definitely think about when if you're using corn as something that might uh, make you feel fuller and maybe for some of the other micronutrients Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. definitely think about trying to have another protein source with them so maybe some uh, tofu or maybe some beans and pulses and things like that alongside your your corn to make sure you're getting lots of different micronutrients that you need
1: what about we've got a question here from someone who isn't vegan but who doesn't eat very much meat so they're saying i have it maybe once a quarter once every two to three months um am i and the kind of question fell off but i think it was kind of am i getting enough is this enough of a meat intake to be getting the nutrients that we're talking about so
0: as always with these kinds of questions it's very difficult to (laughs) say for that individual person that Mm. that is enough i don't know whether he or she is including dairy maybe they're having some yogurt sometimes maybe they're having some other animal sources but maybe they're completely vegan except for three or four times a year and ultimately lots of us as we were kind of evolving would have just had meat quite occasionally Mm -hmm. would have just had animal products quite occasionally so we are quite well adapted to having this sort of what we would consider to be an omnivorous diet where sometimes you have it and sometimes you don't mm-hmm. we're well adapted to that um, your nutritional needs, everyone's nutritional needs are really <laughs> different so I can't say for certain that this person is getting enough for them um, and even if we looked at their diet in a very sort of scientific way we may still struggle to identify whether they're getting enough for them because all of that's still based on you know statistics and what people Adages. generally need mm-hmm. in general population so, um, I feel like you say that a lot oh God, all the time <laughs> So so, uh, what I would say is that for most people, that probably won't be enough. But if you are feeling well and um, everything else is good and you have any problems with your memory or concentration or focus or tiredness then maybe you are getting enough for you and it's absolutely about thinking about listening to your body, understanding what's right for you uh, and taking notice of how you feel. So if for example after you have a piece of fish or some meat you feel amazing and you feel much better than you did before, Mm -hmm. maybe it's time to think about whether that was enough kind of to keep you topped up all the time. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Super vague. (laughs) (laughs) But I
1: think that's the reality isn't it of so many of these questions that not just you know it's not just about being a professional with the the right qualifications about understanding the personalization of diet yeah. and how people metabolise certain foods and, you know, what their body is kind of
0: genetically set up to do in terms of synthesis and conversion and absorption and
1: totally. And, and are you really
0: tall or are you really small? Or do you have really heavy periods or have you gone through the menopause and all these kinds of you know, so many different things. Mm-hmm. Are you training really hard for something? Are you doing a lot of exercise, therefore your turnover is higher all these things that we don't know and then they bring in genetic risk and like (laughs) alzheimer's risk and all this and then you're thinking about all kinds of different things that are way too complicated to um understand from a question on instagram Mm -hmm. but it's it's lovely to have the opportunity to talk about it
1: so the other nutrient that we wanted to have a little think about and which has been in the news a little bit lately is choline and choline is a really interesting Again, it's an essential brain nutrient. Your body can synthesize a little bit of it. And it's essential for a few reasons. One is that it, again, forms part of the cell membrane in, in a couple of different kind of forms of of choline. But also that it uh, makes up acetylcholine, which is a neurotransmitter. And that neurotransmitter, which is a chemical signaling a chemical signalling molecule in the brain, is really important for things like memory and learning. Acetylcholine sets up the synapses. It essentially prepares the synapse, which is the junction between your nerve endings for transmission of a message, which I guess in lay terms is it prepares your brain or helps your brain to learn and remember. So we think about acetylcholine and choline as being incredibly important. And again, it's one of those nutrients that is almost exclusively, well, most abundantly, I think, for choline in animal foods. And so there's now a question that isn't quite answered, but there's a question about how much choline people who don't eat any animal foods will be getting and whether they need to supplement and if so, how. So that was the question that came in. What foods can we get choline from and what are the plant-based sources?
0: Yeah, so choline is absolutely abundantly available in animal products and fish and uh, whatever else uh, but animal products specifically there is some in plant-based products things like almonds and things like broccoli but it's almost half as much as there is in sort of 100 grams of animal-based foods and the other thing is we don't know whether your body can use it as effectively the thing to remember about choline is that we don't know a huge amount about it (laughs) so this paper's come out which is valuable and important and in my opinion it's Irresponsible to say this is nonsense just because we don't know enough about it. I think it's really important that we talk, listen to new research that comes out, new people's opinions, especially when they're very um, well respected in their field, and that we talk about it. So, um, we don't know enough about choline to say this is how much you should have every day. Um, I've never once seen choline taken on a blood test result, certainly not the NHS, maybe by someone who's being paid a lot of money to take blood tests. Um, <laughs> And so we don't really know what the answers are in terms of how much you need and all that kind of stuff. What I will say to you is, I do some work creating um, vitamins and mineral products for brain optimization with a company, and um, you can't get enough choline in a tablet. <laughs> so you need to take powders and things like that if you want to supplement. Um, so good, uh, you know, you can buy choline supplements as a powder. If I'm honest, if I was if I was a planty person, what I would probably do is supplement with all the amino amino acids in one go so I think just we could isolate every single amino acid and say we don't know if you're getting enough on a plant based diet and ultimately if you're going to supplement you might as well supplement every one of them so that you're getting topped up that way rather than um, trying to do it as an individual amino Mm -hmm. acid if you've picked out another amino acid you probably get that um you'd be deficient somewhere else as well Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so taking um, a good quality amino acid supplement may be helpful for some vegans unless you're eating lots and lots of um choline rich foods like broccoli and like almonds and things like that every single day okay
1: thank you very much um where else are we so we had some questions in about children and teens and really they were so one is what are the brain essential nutrients for for, for vegan children and teens and another person asking my 10 year old wants to be vegan how do i make sure he gets the amigas for his brain and i feel a bit anxious about this question <laughs> um and maybe that's you know i'm aware of kind of standing my lane in terms of pediatric nutrition Same, yeah and uh you know that i You know, I've done a little bit around developmental and understanding how much DHA is required in utero, but
0: children's brains
1: are a tricky thing.
0: Yeah, I mean, so the best I can offer is that there's a couple of ages through which you absolutely need to make sure that brain function is optimised. So rapid brain development around two years old, that sort of age, or up until two years old really importantly don't get it wrong at that point because that can have long-term and profound consequences um so the same nutrients would apply in terms Mm -hmm. of making sure that children are getting enough but i'd also really encourage parents to think about calcium so plant-based sources of calcium are often bound to oxalates in the food so another compound in the food that makes them not available Mm -hmm. um, to the body now what we know from really robust research is that children who have plant-based milk instead of cow's milk never grow as tall as their cow's milk drinking counterparts now being tall doesn't necessarily mean better doesn't necessarily mean anything you know great in terms of anything else but we do know that bone mineral density so how well structured your bones are um is dependent on um calcium and and some of the nutrients and we do know that milk generally and vegans do suffer from lower bone mineral density than people who aren't so we could i mean we're, we're supposed to be focusing on brain stuff but there are a lot no, of go things for it. that you would need to think about if your child was going to be on a vegan diet and one of them is calcium but there are other ones as well and i would encourage anyone who um, is thinking about that to maybe have a chat with a dietitian um, or a registered nutritionist who's had relevant training in this kind of area just to make sure that they're ticking all the boxes mm. nobody wants a child who doesn't grow as tall as he might like to have done and then something resentful for it <laughs> and i think the the other thing uh that i tend to
1: think about a lot is that the brain continues to develop throughout adolescence neurologically you're considered an adolescent until you're about 25 so you're pre yeah, yeah. <laughs> looking back you can see it So the prefrontal cortex, the front part of the brain, which is the home or the seat of our higher brain functions like decision making, like planning, like um, goal directed behaviour, moral reasoning, all of that sort of stuff. That is all still being kind of laid down. The myelination is still continuing through into your mid 20s. And that's another time when you really don't want any impairments or deficiencies in nutrient supply you because essentially this brain is still growing it's still laying down protective sheaths around the neurons and so you really want to be optimizing nutrition for the brain at that point and so that would be excuse me if i were thinking about my own imaginary children <laughs> <laughs> i would be wanting them to be thinking about yes b vitamins and omega-3s And uh, polyphenols, so making sure that they're getting enough leafy green vegetables and brightly coloured foods that all those berries of every kind... A little bit of chocolate, dark chocolate every now and again. Green tea. There's this fascinating study that just came out showing... It's correlational at the moment, um, but what was nice was that it used um, a bank of MRI scans mm. and associated that with tea consumption and showed better brain connectivity uh, in tea drinkers. Amazing. That's which is, so interesting. It's really, really interesting. It's lovely. Um, and and coffee, you know, coffee's okay. I would avoid caffeine as a standalone beverage. <laughs> but those would be the things I would be thinking of. Omega-3s, B vitamins, polyphenols and fibre. And that's a yeah. slightly different discussion, maybe. And calcium
0: and all these other things. I think the other thing is, you know, everybody... All teenagers go through periods of having exams and then maybe think about university and all that kind mm. of stuff. Most adolescents' diets are pretty crap. And so, ultimately, if you're a teenager or your young person who lives in your house is concentrating <laughs> on their diet and you're looking at it and you're making sure they're getting very, lots of vegetables and you're making sure they're getting lots of protein and you're focused on the diet, then maybe there are some positive things there. Mm-hmm. Most teenagers have a rubbish diet. Yeah. and you know Most teenagers aren't eating enough fish. So if you're <laughs> getting a teenager to take a, a supplement for because they're worried about deficiency, because they're on a plant-based diet, maybe they're going to be doing better than lots of their counterparts anyway. So there are some positive signs to this. Mm-hmm. Super.
1: Talking about supplements, what kind of supplementation would we be thinking about for
0: these nutrients? So we've spoken about choline. For bees? So the my advice would actually be to take a good quality A to Z multivitamin, cover your bases, make sure there's enough for your daily amount of B12 in there. Take a good quality acid and multivitamin, and then you're also covering other bases like calcium, like iron, um, like zinc and selenium, mm-hmm. which are more difficult to mm-hmm. access. All of these other things that are just a little bit trickier to access on a vegan diet, not only because there's less, they're less abundant in plant sources, but also because they're less easy for our bodies to access. Good quality acid multivitamin, it's like a safety net. Mm-hmm. And that's not necessarily right for everybody. So there might be some people on specific medications and things like that. So if you do have any health problems or you are taking any regular medications for a health problem, please always check with your GP before you start any supplements at all. So absolutely, that sort of thing would be my good like, general advice. The other thing is to think about the algae oil supplements. Mm-hmm. So the microalgae that the fish eat They contain the essential fatty acids that we talked about before. And unfortunately, you can't get them from those plant sources. So we have talked about that. So really important to take your algae supplements if you're on a completely vegan diet. And that should cover your bases in that respect. Perfect.
1: Okay, let me just go through these questions. So one person was asking about what would be a good breakdown of weekly uh, nutrient needs. I suppose we want to just send people to a reliable resource there.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So um, the NHS does have some great information on nutrients, Um, so NHS Choices website will have some really good information there on all the different nutrients you need, good sources of them and whether you might be someone who might need to consider supplementation. So I'd always advise people to go there first of all. Um, The British Dietetic Association do have some good fact sheets on there. So you might want to have a quick look at those as well. Um, So yeah, those would be the two to kind of direct people to if they're thinking about whether they're getting enough. Um, Again, very difficult to advise on an individual basis. No, that's perfect. Thank you. I think that's pretty much
1: everything. So essentially what we're saying is, Please eat whatever way makes you feel happy, contented, uh, which covers your moral and ethical um, ideals, but also please make sure that you are protecting your brain whilst you do that because... We want you to feel as good as possible for as long as possible.
0: Absolutely. And I think that in this sort of, there is some irresponsible messaging in every community online. And I see it in the vegan community. I see it in all the other communities as well who have sort of uh, maybe what we might call quite polarised views of diets or wherever there is um, elimination of certain food groups. Mm -hmm. And what I would say is, it's really important that you listen to balanced messages, and that you take advice from healthcare professionals, not from influencers and not from people who are saying one thing because ultimately it's about making sure that people are as well as possible and taking advice from appropriate sources, because you can end up in a bit of an echo chamber of uh, the same opinion and actually There's some irresponsible stuff going on out there. And in my opinion, the vegan community needs to take control of this and say, yes, you can survive on a vegan diet, but do you want to thrive? Do you want to be well? Do you want to optimise your health? Then maybe we need to think about some of these things that you might want a bit more of and i think that those messages are empowering those mm-hmm. messages will help people to remain on a vegan diet for longer because people will feel better mm-hmm. and if that's what fits in with your moral compass and that's what feels right for you then that's what we want people to be able to do because losing your tribe is horrible because you've had to <laughs> go back to meat eating we've seen that in lots of different people um, in terms of big voices mm. from the influencer community and nobody wants to suffer through that so ultimately there's good advice out there listen to it do what's right for you and listen to your body and all those things are really important messages okay thank you so much sophie for coming in late on a monday night to be here <laughs> pleasure thanks for having and me and
1: i hope everybody's found that useful i will post the links to the nhs and the british dietetics association on uh on my website and also i guess across both of our socials and i hope you found that useful